0: A publisher had approached me after a game one night where I got caught throwing Kraft cheese singles at the Wisconsin band. Turns out that's not appropriate. I wrote my first book as a senior in college. It was called Gopher Hockey by the Hockey Gopher. And somehow I parlayed that into 50 more books. So it kind of launched my career.
2: Hey, everybody, Jason Patria here, and you are listening to the Lead With Your Brand podcast, which is the podcast for people just like you who are looking to turn up the volume, show your value and lead with your brand towards your next career breakthrough. Well, wow, I cannot believe that it is already April and 2021 is flying by. What I want to talk about today is this whole notion of turning up the volume. Because ultimately, that's what great brands are. Great brands are authentic to what they are, but with the volume turned up. I want you to start thinking about how do you bring the best of yourself, your best authentic self, and turn up the volume to be on stage because that's what you are. Every single day in your career, you are on stage in front of your career audience that can help propel you forward as they become your super fans. So I want you to think about how you can turn up the volume and bring some of your authentic brand attributes to the forefront where you're really leading with them for your brand with the volume turned up. Now, I am thrilled to have our Guest today. He is the best selling author of nearly 50 sports books. He's an award winning Hall of Fame peak performance business speaker who's actually keynoted conferences on all seven continents. And he's been featured on CNN, CBS This Morning, ESPN, and Fox News, as well as The Wall Street Journal, New York Times, and USA Today. His mission today is to get us all thinking differently about how we can raise. Our game to the next level. Please join me in welcoming Ross Bernstein when we come back from the break.
1: For over 25 years, Jason has coached, trained, and developed thousands of leaders and executives, helping them achieve their next career breakthrough. He's a featured speaker at global conferences and companies to help everyone bring their best, authentic self to work, show their value and lead with their brand every day. Get more tips and tools at leadwithyourbrand.com.
2: And we're back. I am super thrilled to welcome our guest today. He is the best-selling author of nearly 50 sports books and an amazing (laughs) award-winning Hall of Fame speaker. It is Ross Bernstein. Ross, what's going on? (laughs)
0: <laughs> hey, Jason, great to be with you. Thank you so much for letting me be uh, a guest in your show today. I'm excited.
2: Of course. Well, I am thrilled because I saw you a year ago was where we met at the National Speakers Association. And as someone that speaks all of the time for a living, I'm not often blown away by speakers. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God, I go to the Church of Ross now because <laughs> because you're you're so inspiring and authentic that I knew that, that I had to have you on, on the podcast when we oh, got thank launched you. so oh, Ross like let's jump in you know when you meet people who don't know who you are and don't know what you do how do you explain who you are and what you do
0: <laughs> that's a great question well you're a speaker too so we're, we're both weirdos right we're uh <laughs> the uh the oddballs like Steve Jobs calls us you know, I I always like to differentiate myself a little bit out of the gates by saying, you know, I'm not like one of those Tony Robbins kind of guys, because when I tell my high school buddies like what I do for a living, that's kind of my benchmark of, you know, like, like, what do what do you think? Like? <laughs> People like walking on hot coals. Like, no, 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 I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't do seminars. Like, so I I you know I I speak at about 120 conferences per year as a as a keynote speaker. So my clients. companies that hire me because they want some, you know, thought leader to help challenge their people to think differently.
2: So, Russ, I really wanted to talk to you because prior to becoming an author, prior to becoming a speaker, you really spent a career that was in media and sports. And so tell me, what was your journey to get where you are today? And maybe what were some of the big career breakthrough moments for you?
0: My passion was always sports, and uh, my kind of my condensed story of getting to where I'm at is I, I was a, a walk-on to play hockey at the University of Minnesota. That was kind of my dream, and I, I lasted about 10 minutes. I got cut, and I wound up becoming the team mascot, Goldie the Gopher. You can see my, my gopher head here. <laughs> I, I became a, a giant, smelly rodent, and I uh, kind of made lemonade out of lemons i became a cheerleader which is pretty fun and i got in a lot of trouble as a mischievous mascot and uh, a publisher had approached me after my a game one night where i got caught throwing craft cheese singles at the wisconsin band turns out that's not appropriate <laughs> And he said, we want to write a book about all the trouble you've gotten into. And I thought, well, I'm flattered, but other than my grandmother, I don't know who's going to want to read this book, but it it kind of spawned the idea. So I begged my parents to let me use my graduate school money. I had two older brothers who had gone on to get their Ivy League MBAs, and this is what they wanted me to do. But I wanted to I wanted to work in sports, so I convinced them to let me use my money to write and publish a book about the history of gopher hockey from this big rodent's point of view. And they, they knew I was destined for failure, but they let me do it, and I... I wrote my first book as a senior in college. It was called Gopher Hockey by the Hockey Gopher, and somehow I parlayed that into 50 more books. So it kind of launched my career, and that was uh – but but a defining moment to your point was along the way when I got into sports I when I watched I watched as a 10-year-old kid I watched the miracle on ice hockey game it was this the US Olympic team beat the Soviets it was yeah. the greatest upset in American sports history and this coach was Herb Brooks who was from Minnesota is one of my heroes and I went to his hockey camp when I was 10 I won the most improved award I was I was the guy who sucked the most at his <laughs> hockey camp
2: There's but a brand for you
0: Yes but he, he took a liking to me, and, and we be, when he when I became the mascot, he liked the fact that I still wanted to be a part of the team, even though I wasn't good enough. And we became friends, and years later, he asked me to write his biography, and I was actually working on the book with him when he was killed in a car accident, leaving a golf tournament that we were both playing at that day. So I was about a year into the book at that point, so I decided to help create the Herb Brooks Foundation, and, and uh, that was a real game-changer for me, getting involved in philanthropy, giving back. And uh, getting to know Herbie, and, and, and uh, now I get to kind of share his life story and talk about uh, his legacy, and, and we've raised, our foundation's raised millions to help kids uh, play sports. That's been a big part of my brand. So I think meeting Herbie, connecting with him, he helped me write my first book. He asked me to write his book. So that was, that was one of those life moments where you go, wow, had that not happened, that was kind of a butterfly effect, I think. So that was definitely a, a game changer for me.
2: What was some of the advice, either that Herbie gave you or that you absorbed from him in sort of that mentorship relationship?
0: Mm, great question. Well, I I think he just you know he was a real no nonsense kind of a guy, and I learned that you just had to kind of get stuff done, and it wasn't uh, it wasn't always pretty. But Herbie wasn't your friend. He was he was he he wanted results. And I wouldn't say that's necessarily my style. You know, I just I learned a ton from him and I learned about, you know, just I think a lot about the power of hard work and just getting things done. You know, no one thought he could find success and he did at every level, whether it was college or the Olympics or in the National Hockey League. And I study a lot of coaches. I read a lot of biographies of the coaches and I'm always fascinated how each – leader finds their own way to do things and i there's like in our business jason there's there's no one right way like you do it your way i do it my way we go to this crazy speaker conference every year and we learn how all these other weirdos (laughs) do what they do and it's Very empowering and liberating. So I I think learning from Herbie was just, you know, another way, another tool for your toolbox, as it were. But definitely um, feel feel honored and humbled to have been able to have known him and and very proud to be able to continue to share his legacy.
2: Yeah, he sounds like such an amazing person to have known. Yeah, for sure. Take me back to not qualifying for the team, because it strikes (laughs) me that, you know, all of us love and are passionate about something. And many of us have the rea- realization that we're, we're just not good enough to be at that, that elite level. Why did you choose to even stick around and become the gopher? Cause I think most people would have like walked and said, screw you.
0: <laughs> you know, I just wanted to be a part of it. It was just something I was really passionate about. And I, I just wanted to be a part of it. And I, I, I thought there was a cool opportunity to reinvent that position. The mascot at that point had always been some member of the band who, you know, and they were tired of Bucky the Badger coming over and kick, kicking Goldie's ass, uh, you know, from Wisconsin. <laughs> so I said, you know what? There's an opportunity there. There's a problem that needs solving. They need a, they need a mascot with some swagger, so uh, and someone who can make a lot of drunk people laugh. So <laughs> and you know, really, that was kind of my foray into speaking. I mean, I wrote this book. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I was 21 years old. I had, but I was. Really good at storytelling. And I was fearless, it turned out. Like, I i mean, you know, Jason, you know, our profession is the number one fear that, you know, people, statistically, people would rather be eaten by a shark while being strangled by a snake and stung <laughs> in the eyeballs by spiders than having to get on a stage in front of a thousand people. But for you and I, we love this stuff, right? Yeah. It's, we're, We're weirdos, so I realized that you know I could entertain people, and I I liked being in front of a crowd, and that's something I don't think you can teach. It just it gets in your DNA. Like you can't teach that part of it, whether you're introverted or not. So I liked it, and then when I wrote the book you know, I was doing TV interviews and radio interviews and I was telling stories and people were laughing and, and then I'd get phone calls from like a chamber of commerce or a rotary or saying, Hey, we heard you. You know, if you come talk to our group, we'll give you 50 bucks and give you lunch and tell some stories and, and you can sign some books. And that's all I cared about was, you know, I could, I sign a hundred books. That was great. Yeah. But later on companies would call and they go, you know, we heard you, you know, you learn you learned a lot of interesting things from these from these people. Can you come talk to our company? And I was like, Whoa, well, that's, that's different. And that just kind of, you know, evolved over time. And and now turns out you can learn a whole bunch of stuff from studying sports and, and people and, and, and how they do things and how that translates to business and leadership and customer experience and, and in your world, diversity, right. And inclusion. And, and so I, I think that's what it's about. People want to be entertained, but they want to learn. And you know, now, here we are on you know, and these things have changed. here we are podcasting, and here we are, you know, this is my worldwide headquarters, or, as my mother likes to say, my basement, where I'm <laughs> this year I you know i I delivered seventy five virtual keynote presentations here, and you know, why? well, because a year ago at this time, you and I our calendars went blank. there yep. was no conferences. so um, it's about you know, it's about helping people find new ways to do business and and evolve and adapt. And I'm sure for you, that's, that's what you've been doing as well.
2: Yeah. And so Ross, I am so interested to think about everything that you had to sort of change last year. What did you bring from sort of the the sports and the coaching world that enabled you to be so successful when the whole game changed?
0: Hmm. Well, I think just being able to, uh, to adapt quickly right you know to fail fast and 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 figure it out i mean i remember it's funny i just got i just got an auto renewal of zoom the online platform yeah. for your listeners of which we've all become familiar with this year and it was a year ago. And I remember because I was, you know, I was like, eh, I'm not doing any of this virtual stuff. I'd done some webinars for clients, but I'm an in-person, I'm a main stage keynoter. That's my yeah. gig. I'm not a, I'm not you know, interested in all the coaching and consulting and the side stuff. Like I want to be on your main stage. And clients said, well, we're going virtual. And I'm like, Okay. And you like, you know how to do that, right? And I'm like, Of course.
2: <laughs> Fake it till you make it.
0: Right. And then it was like, all right, I guess I better buy Zoom and have someone teach me how to do it and figure this out and get a webcam and, and a and a microphone and lighting and, and and you better figure it out because I still have, you know, colleagues that were like, I'm not doing that. And a year later they're they're still not doing that. And it's like you had to you had to change and adapt.
2: Talk to me about how you would describe your brand as an author, as a speaker, as an expert.
0: Well, I describe myself as an inspirational business speaker, uh, a best-selling author, an inspirational business speaker. I guess if we had to, you know, put labels, I suppose. Yeah. You know, I I really I'm, I'm certainly sports is what I'm I'm known for. It's my passion. I've been a working member of the media for the past twenty five years, working closely with. In Minnesota, where I live, with the the Vikings and the Twins and the Wild and the Wolves and the Gophers, so I study teams and, and the DNA of championship teams, and I I want to know what it is that makes the great ones great. So I get access, I get press passes. I'm in the media, so I get I get a seat at the table, you know, in the dugout and the sideline, and to be able to meet people and that and you and quite honestly, you know, th- this is what I love to do. So it's not like, you know, if, even if I wasn't being paid to do these things, I would still be watching sports. I'd still be going to st- events and playing sports. It's what I love to do. So, you know, a little bit of that is kind of the old find a job you love and never work a day in your life mentality of, you know, find something that and clearly you're super passionate about what you do, or you wouldn't have gotten into this or been so successful at it. And I love the fact for you too, like, you know, here you are researching other colleagues and people in the industry that you think are um, interesting. and, And that's what makes us unique as thought leaders, right. To be able to to study those people and to find out little nuggets of wisdom and then to share those things with other people. And and that's what keeps us gainfully employed, right? To be able to do that. So I, you know, for me, my world changes every day. There's a new story. There's here we are in the final four baseball starting. There's going to be new champions. There's going to be new huge failures and people screw up and they're in the media and, you know, what's up with Tiger Woods and it's just never ending. Right. So there's always constant. And that's what I've learned is that sports is universal language. So, Another part of my brand is I love travel. I'm I'm one of the only speakers in the world that I've spoken on all seven continents. I've keynoted events on all seven continents. I'm a a Global Speaker Fellow, which is a designation recognized by the Global Speaker Federation. I think there's 11 Americans with that title. So for me, that means I love speaking internationally. And I do a lot of customization for my clients. And When I'm speaking in China or Australia or South Africa or Peru or wherever it is. So you to be able to learn about other cultures and other people and what's interesting to them and what's important to them. And, you know, whether I'm talking, you know, rugby in New Zealand or, or cricket in India, people love sports. So that's, so that, so for me, it's, it's universal. And, and I'm, I'm lucky that I can talk to audiences of any size or shape or, you know, ethnicity or diversity. And so that, that I, I find that being able to find those commonalities that people can relate to those stories. And so, yeah, that's kind of my brand is a, is kind of all that in a <laughs> in a nutshell.
2: Yeah, and I love that it's it's you really took your passion for sports and then mashed that with this superpower of storytelling, right, to really meet people's needs.
0: I mean, I, I think that, yeah, it's a superpower, right, to be able to – I mean, look, when I, I had an event uh, a couple weeks ago with Prudential, and their their uh, their VP said, that's the first time I haven't checked my phone in 90 minutes. That, to me, was a huge honor. If you're yeah. able to engage, especially virtually online where people are I, – I think you maybe have 20% of people's attention online where they're, they're doing other things, unless they're face forward. I mean, when you're at a conference, you're present. You're sitting there in the front row. You're You might be on your phone and doing things and taking notes or – or social media or just doing something else. But like to capture someone's attention, to hold it for that long is a superpower in this new, in this new genre. I mean, certainly I would, I would assume you would feel the same way as well. Correct.
2: Exactly.
0: Yeah. To be able to do that.
2: So Russ, let's talk. You brought up this whole notion of being authentic. So what three words describe you? What, what are three authentic words that describe who you are? I would think,
0: you know, genuine or authentic would would probably be one of them because yeah. so I think you know people. I think a great honor people have told me, and I'm sure they would say this to you too, is you're the same guy on stage as you are off stage, and that really means a lot that you're the same guy that you are. You know when you're when you're visiting people on stage, or just when you're in the elevator in the hotel lobby, or yeah. in the pool, or or right, and you're that same same person. So that would be one uh, fun. I definitely I'm very much driven by things that are fun. And I'd say I'm an outlier. I do things very differently. I, I I don't do things traditionally like other speakers or authors. I have my own, um, you know, I run a big business, but I'm a, I'm a team of one. I don't want people. I don't want to, I'm never going to have a building. I'm never going to have an, an employee. And, and I, I love what I do. I keynote. I don't have any side hustles. I don't have podcasts or blogs or vlogs or train the trainers or email lists. I don't even have a Freaking CRM. I just, (laughs) I just kind of do what I do, and there's no rules. I want to travel. I bring my wife and kid with me everywhere. My, I I keep score by different metrics. My, my daughter became Delta Airlines youngest diamond medallion at 13, and that was a pretty cool statistic for me. So I've really built a lifestyle brand. And I don't, I'm not trying to keep up with the Joneses who are doing this and that and the other thing. And just by kind of by the laws of karma, I've had success and I love referring clients to my friends. I've already got a client I'm going to be referring you to, you know, and I just, I like doing that. So there's no rules. And I like, I like being an outlier. So that for me, that's, that's kind of fun.
2: Ross, I'm interested because I know that you're such a genuine guy and certainly I've seen you on stage and then got a chance to meet you off stage and I see that as well. How has that brand evolved or maybe just stayed the same since you were the gopher to, (laughs) you know, 25 plus years later as, you know, an amazing sports storyteller?
0: Hmm. Thank you. It's really kind of you to say that. I don't know if I've changed much, really. I and you know, really, I I work. You know, it's funny. I I had an event recently with a, a Fortune one hundred company, and 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 then like ten minutes later, I was on for another online presentation for a local chamber of commerce that had like no budget. So. I just I feel like I wanna be able to give and serve and I'll speak to whoever I want to speak to. I don't like when people dictate, well, no, you have to have your fee here and do this and do that. It's like, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna speak wherever I wanna speak. And if it's a great group and if it's if I can do a favor for someone or help someone, then I wanna do that. And I think, you know, I don't know if that's authenticity or whatever. It's just it's just kinda I'm I grew up in a small town and I think I I still have a lot of that small town you know, values or just way you've, of You've thinking. got that
2: Minnesota nice going, yeah, right? right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Ross, talk to me more about the Gopher because you, you created basically a brand, right? Like you created a whole new character, right? For the Gopher as something that kind of hadn't been too established or wasn't consistent. What, what was your thought process when you were creating this Gopher and the antics and how it would <laughs> interact with the crowd and the cheerleaders and the band and all of that?
0: Well, I, I couldn't get too crazy, you know, reinventing and, and established intellectual property. You know, being in the <laughs> theme park world, uh, you know, M- 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 Mickey's not going to change. He, he, he's the guy, right? They might, they might add Minnie and a few cast of characters, but, uh, you know, I brought a little more swagger. And, and let's be fair. I mean, the you know the collective blood alcohol level of Mariucci Arena where I was performing back in the day was about fourteen. So everything I did was pretty funny in their eyes. It didn't really matter what I was doing. But you know, I I, I think uh, just being a character and you know to, to you know it, it, what was interesting was you know I had to make people laugh and I couldn't talk. Mm. I couldn't even have a facial expression, right? That, that takes away when someone, you know, it's kind of like on Zoom. Like you've got to, you know, right? You don't get a lot of the tools you normally are used to. So you had to learn how to over-animate and, and be more dynamic and do things. And, and uh, but, you know, I just being Goldie the Gopher in Minnesota was, it was a, it was cool. It was a great honor. And I was lucky, like my family bled Maroon and gold. My mom and dad went to the university of Minnesota my brothers went there. I went there. I just, I loved it. My kid goes there. My, I went my, I met my wife there. So it's just in my DNA. I, I just, that's something I'm really passionate about. So to be able to kind of represent my alma mater that way. And, and even now people still remember me as this, you know, crazy <laughs> rodent who got into all this trouble. <laughs> it's just fun. It was just silly and ridiculous. And that's kind of what I am. I'm silly and ridiculous. I have no purpose. I just kind of go and do what I, you know, I was a big rodent. That's how I, if I had to describe one word, it would just be rodent. That's, that's me. But I will say rodents are a little bit higher than weasels on the food chain. And I take that to the Wisconsin Badgers, I, Gophers will always be higher than Badgers in the food chain, as far as I'm concerned. That's
2: my own, that's my only caveat, Jason.
0: <laughs> Hate <laughs> those stinking Badgers.
2: Exactly. Spoken like a, a true University <laughs> of Minnesotan. Russ, thinking back over your your career, what are you most proud of?
0: You know, I think I'm proud I built a good a good business, right? I'm I'm proud of the fact that that you and I met and that you thought enough of me to call me and invited me to be a guest on your show. That that is a tremendous honor and that that to me is about as good as it gets when someone when you feel like you make an impression when you weren't even really trying to. That to me is pretty cool and stuff like that just organically happens.
2: And that is so your brand. So Ross, you get on stage almost every single day and you inspire people. What do you tell people who come to you and say, I'm not inspired. I I can't inspire myself to get back in the saddle or, or do my work. What advice do you have for them?
0: I think you just have to stay busy and change it up. I mean, for me, I mean, in sports, we call it a slump buster right? When you get in a slump, you got to get out of that slump. Now that might mean, you know, not changing your underwear for a month or doing, you know, uh, whatever it takes to get out of that slump, whether it's superstition or not. But for me, it just means grinding, pounding the phones, you know, building those relationships, doing stuff. I mean, I, I had, a yeah. I had a cool event recently where I, I had a hole in my calendar where I like to be busy and, and, uh, if you have a big, you know, stretch where nothing's going on, it leads you, you. It affects your mental health. You get depressed. Like I'm not working, and the phone's not ringing. What's going on? Did I lose it? Am I not pretty yeah. enough, or good enough, or smart enough? So, I had a company. Cool company called Woodchuck. They make really thin wood that goes on top of like iPhone cases or notebooks, and they, they can and they make logos and really it's one of these millennial inspired companies where they do good and they do well. So they planted like three million trees, and and they're really out there. And one of the guys saw me at an event and said, "We want you to come speak." But they didn't have a budget. I said, "No problem. Let's get creative." And this is what I'm talking about about a muster. So. I said let's do I got a, a hole in my calendar on a Friday coming up. It's in the summer. Let's do an event. I'll do it for free. We built a little stage in their warehouse, you know, and, and it was and it was fun. And I said, I want you to invite all your best customers, their executives and their key people, and your prospects and their best people. And we'll do like a Friday happy hour. Food, you know, we'll we'll plan this whole thing. So I came, gave like a 45-minute kind of a pep rally, gave some ideas, nothing salesy, just here's a way to end the week in a positive note. And when I was done, a DJ came out, started spinning tunes. Some food trucks rolled in with some food and some craft beer, craft cider. Everyone got a swag bag with a few of my books and a few of their products and a few of their clients' products. And then everyone just wow. hung out. No one wanted to fight traffic. So people stayed. I walked out of there with 14 business cards that led to or, uh, led to 14 events, all these business cards. And they were all local, which is great because they keep me in my own bed because at, at, I don't want to travel nonstop. And it was just, it was like a win, win, win. They won because they had like this, they got to have a speaker and do something cool for their clients. The clients won, they had this great event, they got food, swag. And I won because they got me out of a slump right? And that business and all 14 of those events led to like 14 events and so on and so on, right? So I think you just have to stay busy. You have to grind and you got to get creative. And even though people have barriers, problems, find a way to overcome that. So you don't have a budget, big deal. What other value do you have? Could we barter? Could we do something else? And I think just being scrappy like that, that's what's really kept me busy long-term.
2: Yeah. I love that, right? It's almost like, we lose inspiration when we don't have something to do. So you got to like get up and do stuff, right? Absolutely. So as we kind of close out, Ross, what is your favorite brand? What are you obsessed with? What can't you live without?
0: Mm, that's a great question. There's certain, I mean, I, I certainly think that my inanimate object iPhone is a uh, a product I can't live without. I'm an Apple guy. It's funny, I've become good friends with Steve Wozniak. Oh too. yeah,
2: <laughs> the old Woz. <laughs>
0: Yeah, in fact, uh, uh, I was in L.A. earlier this year for an in-person gig in November and wasn't and I had lunch up in up in
2: Los Gatos where he lives. Yeah. Uh, so, so that was pretty cool. Ross, if you were a car, what type of car would you be? Oh, man.
0: You know, I, I'd go old school. I'd go an old green 1947 Kaiser Frazier because that was my old man's first car.
2: Ah, and why, why would you say you're like that green
0: car? I was saying it in the sense that it was just, it was so, it had that, you know, just that emotional feeling, that attachment. It wasn't about the car. It was about, it's about what happened in that car, right? Yeah. The stories about, you know, going to the beach and, you know, my dad grew up in Billings, Montana, and they'd go to Red Rocks and raise hell and, you know, just... Do all this crazy stuff with his buddies and go skiing. And, you know, just, and so for me, it was like, you know, he'd tell me they'd pile their buddies in the trunk for the drive in, right? And just being a badass, stuff like that. So.
2: <laughs> and, Ross, finally, what's the best career advice that you'd like to pass on to our listeners?
0: Hmm. You know, the best career advice, I guess, and you'll relate to this because you and I are in the same business being in the world of, of professional speaking, but I remember being at, at Influence, which is our conference for the National Speakers Association. Years and years ago, I was a newbie. I was wide-eyed, a VIP. For the, if you're a first-timer, they give you a VIP v- badge, right? And I remember there was a, a speaker bureau there a whale one of the big 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 bureau like they represent all the celebrity a-listers in hollywood and, and they, right and, and they and everybody wanted to talk to this 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 lady she was a rock star and i remember i had a few of my books with me and a business card and and i remember walked and i waited yeah you know, i stalked her until i found her in an area when there was only a couple people around her and i waited and so everyone left and i finally went up to her and she said hi can i help you and i said hi i'm i'm ross bernstein and you have a, here's a, here's some books and and she said oh okay well Thank you, Ron Bernstein. It's nice to meet you. And um, and she went on, and she, and she said, "Look, um, can I give you some advice?" And I said, "Yes, yes, this yes, would be great." And I was assuming she'd want all my information to hire me and book me, she said, "She said, just be really good at what you do." She mm-hmm. said, "Just be amazing on stage." She said, "Just you know, just show up early, stay late, you know, raise your fee the right way by being great, so companies want to have you and can't live without you and she said, "When that happens, we'll hear about you, and we'll be in touch and it was like a knife to the heart, mm. but it was great advice, and you know, a couple of years ago she hired me, and I never told her that story that she had said that, but it felt good that that she, uh, that I I, at least in her eyes, I had arrived at that, at that point. But so, you know what, just be great, you know, don't be salesy, be great. And when, when you are, people will want you and they'll reach out to you. And that's like the greatest honor, right? And I don't know if that applies to everyone, but in my world, it just means... Doing all the, like the things you talked about, doing all these little things, right? Being authentic and showing up early and staying late and building relationships organically and helping people and being kind and and not being an idiot and just you know living living a, a passionate, purposeful life. And you hope you hope you can do all these things and you hope you can pass them on to your kids and keep it all going. So I don't know. It's a crazy world, but it's uh, stuff like that keeps me going, I guess.
2: Well, Ross Bernstein, thank you so much for sharing your amazing spirit and your amazing stories. Thank you for being on the show.
0: Oh, such an honor, Jason. Thank you for having me and congrats to you and all of your
2: success. And we'll be back in a few moments with my final
1: thoughts. Are you tired of not being recognized for your work? Are you ready to rise above the rest and accelerate to the next level? The Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program will help you take control of your career, develop your own unique brand, and catapult you to a whole new level of success. You are a top performer, and the Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program is what you need to get you there. Visit leadwithyourbrand.com to learn how.
2: Well, how cool was it to hear from author and speaker Ross Bernstein? I was so excited, and I'm especially excited because I was a cheerleader as well. But you know what I really took away from Ross's conversation was this whole notion of you have to take opportunities as they come. Now, remember, your career path, your career journey is a series of sequences of opportunities and trade-offs, and you have to be ready to seize those things. Now, Ross could have as easily just turned around and said, screw you, hockey team, but you know what? He didn't. He seized the opportunity to bring his passion for sports with his skill of storytelling and inspiring people to do a crazy comical character, and what did that lead to? It led to his Big career breakthrough. So even though when you think about your brand being as much about what you choose not to do as what you choose to do, are you thoughtfully thinking about looking for opportunities and seizing them and making them on brand for you? So think about that. Look out at what's coming for the rest of 2021. There's going to be a lot of opportunities coming your way. Are you prepared to jump and seize those opportunities? And are you able to look at opportunities that may be disguised as something else? Well, that's the show that we've got for you today. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did so, go ahead and hit that subscribe or follow button so you can get the Lead With Your Brand podcast delivered to you every single Tuesday. Make sure to follow me on social media. I'm at Jason Patria on all handles and check me out on LinkedIn where I share tons of lead with your brand tips. And remember, in your career, don't be a boring old commodity like coffee. Make sure you are a super premium brand like Starbucks.
1: You've been listening to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores and uncovers exceptional career success stories and inspiring personal brand journeys with your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria. Remember to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit us at leadwithyourbrand.com.